You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health Podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. Hello, I'm Teresa McKee, your host for A Mindful Moment. Thank you for joining me as we explore ways to increase mindfulness in our day-to-day experiences. Mindfulness is presence, awareness. It's paying attention to what's happening within us and around us. Mindfulness increases our emotional, physical, and mental well-being. It can also enhance our focus and productivity, and there are many health benefits from practicing mindfulness and meditation, from lowering blood pressure to increased longevity. Perhaps most importantly in today's chaotic world, Mindfulness strengthens our ability to be more compassionate to ourselves as well as others. I'm here today with entrepreneur Leslie Logan, a certified Pilates teacher and mindset coach. She is also the founder of the first free online catalog of Pilates exercise tutorials and offers fitness business coaching. Thanks for joining us today, Leslie. Oh, Teresa, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I know you've connected with thousands of people between your workshops and your trainings. And so I thought maybe that was a good place to start. How do we connect to ourselves in order to better connect with others? Isn't that like the, I don't know, one of the questions of life? (laughs) You know, what's interesting is like, I didn't even know I wasn't connected to myself. And I think if you're listening to this and you're like, what does that mean? I didn't actually understand I wasn't connected to myself, but I remember just like not feeling like I belonged and really like being a friendly person and having friends and people around, but not, not really feeling like that was where I needed to be. When I looked at my future, I was like, this isn't it. This isn't it. I kept chasing like this feeling of like belonging. When I found my first Pilates class, and I was in the first exercises and I was feeling these parts of my body I never felt before. I didn't articulate it then, but years later, I was like, that's when I felt like I belonged because I felt like I belonged in my body. And so I think like whether it is I found an applies practice, but maybe you find it in meditation, maybe you find it in a walk and in a garden or a beautiful scenery. I think being able to like drop into yourself is key because relating to others is really hard to do if you actually like can't listen to what your body is saying, if your body is speaking and you don't speak that same language. So I'm hopefully I'm answering that question, but I think for many of us, it's like, you're going to feel alone or like people don't understand you. People don't get you. You're lost until you find yourself. 
And I think it's interesting that most communication isn't verbal. Most of what we're communicating is from the body. And I think a lot of people are out of touch with their body. We've been focusing a lot ever since, I mean, clear back to the beginning of the shutdowns about ignoring our bodies being so stationary, right? Being so sedentary. A lot of people have health problems now related to that. So either we're not connected to it or we ignore it, which is disconnecting from it because we think it's more important that we finish our work or, you know, do something else. So I agree with you. And I think most people may not be aware that anytime you have a thought or a feeling, you know, we're so focused on the head, there is a physiological reaction. And if we learn to tune into that, it's a great source of wisdom and guidance. So absolutely. You focus quite a bit on habits, I know. And I was wondering why you think they're important. And I love this one. How can they help us create more time for mindful practices? Yeah. So, well, first of all, your entire life is just built up by the actions you take and the actions you take are mostly habitual. And some of the habits you have, you don't even realize that you have them. Like you consciously did not set those up. So if you are someone who checks your email before you go to bed, that might not be a habit you're proud of. You might want to get rid of it, but you get something out of it. There's a feeling that you get out of it and that's why you do it. And so to me, habits are important because We should be very conscious around the habits we're making so we can have the life we want to have. If you are feeling like the the dream life you have is so far away, well, really, you have to look at the habits you're doing on a daily basis that will let you, that they'll tell you right now if you're going to have what you want to have. If you are a scarcity mindset person and you want to have this abundance of money, guess what? You got to change your habits. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. (laughs) You're not going to have it. So, and then to go to your second question, like, there are different things you can do for a mindful practice. Some people meditate. Some people do. Um, I have a red light therapy I like to sit in front of. Some people have a movement meditation. Maybe it's a yoga practice or plies practice or you go for a walk. But like your mindfulness moments happen more often if they are a habit. <laughs> you know, if they're if you're just doing them, we're like, oh my God, I'm stressed out. Now I'll go meditate. <laughs> right. Like I think I'm sure many people do. It's like, yes, I'm grateful you thought about that now. It would be really helpful if you'd already been doing it. <laughs> No, and it's true. In a lot of our trainings, I have to explain the time to, to to do a meditation is not as soon as your stress level is spiked, right? Because then it's very hard to calm down and focus. It is building that habit so that it's automatic. Mm-hmm. If you if you practice all the time and it's a habit, then when something happens, that habit kicks in. And you don't have to think about it. You don't have to remember to do it. And so I do appreciate that. There's a lot of opposing opinions about how long it takes to create a habit. So I was yeah. wondering what your your take is on that. Yeah. So I really like science. I think it <laughs> makes it easier um, when things are tested as opposed to opinions. And so I studied with BJ Fogg, and he is actually the um, behavior scientist of Stanford, did a whole thing there. And he actually was the person that the founders of Instagram studied with and some other people who are very famous on talking about habits. And so the truth is you can actually build a habit within a moment. Remember going back to my example of checking your email before you go to bed. You probably didn't always do that. At some point, there was a reason you had to do it. And it provided a feeling in your body that your brain was like, I want more of that. Relief can be a a thing that builds a habit, right? So habits, if you think like I was always told when I was growing up, it takes 21 days to build a habit. And then of course, most of us don't have 21 consecutive days where we can do something before we mess it up. And then what happens? Like, oh, to start all over again. You probably don't, but you just told yourself you do. So now you'd have to. But the truth is, is that like, imagine if you could have a habit that you built on a different way. And I'll teach it that way in a second. And then you could go on vacation. You could do a mini version of that habit or not do that habit at all, but know that as soon as you get home, 
you could actually start that habit up right back where you left it off because it doesn't take repetition. You can even think about it to the pandemic that we were in, right? When there was the time when we were masked and everyone was doing it. How often did you remember your mask though? Guess what? Even though I wore mine, I believed in wearing mine, I would get to the store and I'm like, oh, I forgot in the car and I have to go back. What? Because we didn't actually like wearing them. So because we didn't like wearing them, even though we had the habit, the repetition of doing it, we didn't want to do it. So therefore it didn't stick. But if you actually take time to go, okay, what do I want to do? And then, so you have to want to do the habit, that's important. And then two, you have to have the ability to do the habit. So maybe if your habit is running a marathon, if you've never ran before, we're not going to build the habit of running every day if we go out to, to run seven miles or a mile. Maybe you have to make a habit of just putting the running shoes on. And then the third part is that feeling I talked about. We have to feel good about it. We have to celebrate it. And maybe that's high-fiving yourself. If you've got a kid, maybe it's high-fiving your kids, teaching them how to celebrate. Maybe it's uh, putting on some good music and dance. But in the moment, it has to be a celebration of some kind that works for you. Cannot be a reward later on in the week. That's too far away. And you can build a habit in a moment or in a few days. That makes sense. I mean, you're getting a hit of dopamine if you feel good about it, right? Again, your body's working with you. Yeah. I have studied BJ Fogg quite a while back and I loved his tiny habits too. Mm-hmm. You know, where it was like, okay, then floss one tooth to start. <laughs> so it just yeah. breaks it down. It doesn't have to be this overwhelming change, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love it too. And it's like for the perfectionists in the room, I know it's going to be hard for you to celebrate flossing one tooth as he suggested, or just putting on the running shoes, but ask yourself if going over and beyond what you are capable of is actually working for you. It's not. <laughs> Well, along these same lines, what's your strategy for breaking a habit that is no longer serving us? Yeah. So this is really cool. When I first stumbled upon BJ's version of doing this, I was like, oh, well, that's so interesting. So first of all, we have to tell ourselves it's not about breaking a habit. It's about unraveling one. So going back to like your mindfulness practice that you may or may not have yet, there are a series of things that you are doing automatically. There are prompts that are happening on a daily basis. My dogs hear a door open, they get up and go out to that door because they're like, oh, maybe I'm going out for a walk right now, right? There's a prompt. And so what we have to do with a habit that we no longer want. And bad is a strong word because you are getting something out of doing it, that dopamine hit. So you might not like how many times you hit up your social media to see how many notifications you have, but there is a hit of dopamine your brain's getting and that's why you go do it. So we have to actually think about taking the word bad out and taking the word breakout and actually going back to like, what are the prompts that are causing me to go do the thing I'm doing? Is it that you have your phone next to your bed so when you wake up, you grab your phone? Can we put your phone outside your room? So that's what I do. My phone is connected in the living room closest to my running shoes. So I can't even grab my phone till I'm going out the door in the morning. That 20 minutes of not grabbing my phone instinctually allows me to have a more mindful morning to get out the door so I can see the sunrise before I check my phone, (laughs) right before that. So we want to figure out what's the prompt? What's the thing that's starting the habit that you have? And then instead of just taking that away, how can we replace it? So instead of having my phone by my bed at night, I have a book by my bed. So I'm not craving to go check my phone because I could just get up and go around the corner, right? Instead, I have something to do. So I don't have this vacuum, right? If you think about you go on a diet, you're like, I'm not going to eat sugar for three days. What happens on day four? You eat all the sugar because you like took a vacuum away. But if you give it something else, if you give yourself something else in place of that, you can really start to unravel that and have more success in that way. Excellent. 
Well, I know you didn't start out with entrepreneurship as your career goal. So what prompted your change in trajectory? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Gosh, I really thought I was going to work in retail and sell jewelry for my whole life. Like I really loved selling accessories or something about making sure people have a really cool purse to go with the outfit that they love. Right. But because I had discovered Pilates, I got really excited about it and I wanted to do it more often. Again, something that made me feel good. So I created this massive habit around it. And then I started teaching it and I got so busy teaching it. I had to leave my secure full-time job working for someone. And then all of a sudden I found myself in this, like I'm working for myself space. (laughs) And I didn't even know that was being an entrepreneur. I thought, oh, well, some people just work for themselves. But there's this interesting thing when you have bills to pay and you live in a, (laughs) and you're on your own, you start to have to figure out how do you do this? And you know, what's so great. We're on a podcast right now. I didn't have money for a coach or a guide or somebody like that in my life. I didn't even know that existed, to be completely honest. And I thought I had a mentor in Pilates, but they weren't helping me in my business. So podcasts about business were like really what helped me, one, identify that I was an entrepreneur and two, give me ideas around what it is that I could do. And so then I just kept like taking these little tiny actions. And then, you know, back in 2017, it's about nine years after I'd started teaching my husband who worked for startups, he's like, oh, we can make this idea and do this with it. We can do this with it. And all of a sudden that word scale that I'd heard that I couldn't figure out how to scale because I'm one person became a possibility. And so then Before the pandemic happened, I was already putting these things in place. And it's one of those interesting things where preparation meets opportunity. Now, because everybody went online, the online things already built were already set in place. So that's kind of how I got into it. And now I like, I'm proud entrepreneur flag. I love it. I love everything about business. I get so excited helping people. And I think if you are, if you, if that's something you, that's in you that you can work with and you could be, your body is okay with that, like you don't feel, scared every single day about where the money is going to come from, you should you should go all in. <laughs> Absolutely. And you have a fitness business coaching mastermind group. That's something that's so interesting. So I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. And so like, if you're listening to this and maybe you are wanting to teach something about mindfulness, I didn't know that so many people weren't successful doing it. I didn't know that until I got into it. Otherwise I wouldn't have quit my job <laughs> because I would have had been told this things that were fear-based, but I had gotten so busy. And then I was hearing all these people who were, I thought they were better teachers than me and they had, didn't have clients. And I'm like, how do I have clients? Like talk about like, I was like, I'm brand new. How come I have more clients than you? What is, what is the difference here? And so I started really observing what the problem was. And then I wanted to solve that problem. And so what ended up happening is I took my business because I had a business degree that I wasn't using in my retail world. And then I had my my experience in retail and sales and in management and buying. And I put those together and I used those to just create offerings that could solve a problem I saw. And so this is like the best thing to start is like that. And then that turned into people calling me outside of those things where I was teaching. I was like, okay, well, there's got to be this is my day off and you're bothering me about something that you should ask me about in the thing. So then I was like, well, how do I create a space that allow people to ask questions at any time? And so that's when we started a fitness business mastermind group called Agency. And it's called that because I really like to call things how I want people to feel. I want them to be reminded that they have agency. We all have agency within us to to be the person we want to be, to take the actions we want to take. We just have to know that. And so now we're almost at five years with this group. We've had some of our members for five years because they just keep up leveling. My husband and I keep up leveling and with what we're doing. And what I love about it is there's 
ton of strategy, of course, because there's no one way to do a business. There's no one way to do a podcast, no one way to meditate. There's many ways, right? But once you're aware of what your goals are and how you want to do them, then it's a mindset. And so that's kind of what has really like led me down to mindfulness practices that could work habits. That's why I ended up studying with BJ Fogg. like, how do I help people get out of their own way so that they can use the strategies we're giving them? And it is usually us getting in our own way. That's for sure. <laughs> is there a place where people can go if they want to learn more about that group? Oh, yeah. ProfitablePilates.com slash agency. So ProfitablePilates.com slash agency. That's where you go. You can see how we coach people. You can get on a phone call with my team and you can find out for the right person for you. Well, excellent. Now, let's go back to the Pilates because you launched an online Pilates tutorial mm. exercises. And I guess two questions about that. For anyone who doesn't know, I think most people know what Pilates is, but maybe we should describe what Pilates is. And then what are the tutorials? Yeah. So I love this. So first of all, if you like, I feel like Pilates is a movement meditation more so than like anything else, because how you are on your mat is how you do anything. Just like how you react to distractions in a meditation practice or a mindfulness practice. That's how you react to a lot of things. Just saying, <laughs> right. So, so I really like to use Pilates to help people be aware of like, how are they in their body that day? Because when you do Pilates, it's very different than weight training. I'm not knocking that because I do lift weights, but I can be thinking about all the things that you do in my workload that day while I'm doing squats. But when I'm doing a Pilates mat practice, I have to be thinking about what's moving where. So I'm, am I moving my arms, my back? Because if I'm not, it's going to feel really easy or I'm going to feel it in my shoulders and my neck. Am I squeezing my legs together with all of my muscles or just my hip flexors that are working? So I'm really having to be mindful of where all the movements are coming from in the practice in each exercise. Also, how I react to the exercises from the teacher, how my my members react to the exercise I'm suggesting is going to tell you a lot about how you're going to react to people challenging you that day. Are you like, oh, I can't do that, but I can do this? Or are you like, oh, here's another thing I can't do. So you just start to get really aware of how you're showing up, not just in your body, but in the world in that moment that can really give you a heads up like, hey, maybe today is not the day that I go <laughs> to this birthday party. Maybe I just send a gift and take some time for myself because clearly I need, I need something more than just this. And so I really love it. But what Pilates is specifically is a strength-based workout. Joseph Pilates created it. It's designed to balance your imbalances, to create flexibility that ba is balanced with your strength. If you are overly strong, you will have injuries because you're not you're too tight. And if you're overly flexible, you will have injuries because you don't have anything to hold it all together. So we have to keep both of those together. And you may know Pilates from all the equipment you see. We do teach classes like that, but I believe that the mat is the most accessible practice anyone can have. And you can do it anywhere you can lay on the ground. So I started with tutorials to help people fall in love with Pilates like I had fallen in love with it. And then that turned into online classes so that people could take one class. They have that same class all week long to take as many times as they want to compare themselves to themselves. And then I created these flashcards so that people who are like, I, or don't have access to the internet at the time, or don't want to necessarily take a 30 minute class could create their own mat workout and use the tutorials as a physical card to create their own workout for the day. So I really believe that it is one way that we can have some more present time with ourselves in a very busy day. And then you get a workout while you're doing it. That's fantastic. I appreciate a variety of contemplative practices for people because, you know, meditation isn't for everyone, or maybe yoga is not for someone. So 
I love this emphasis on the mind-body connection and doing the Pilates. So that's wonderful. If someone is interested in checking out Pilates, where can they find information about your online tutorials and other classes? Oh, thank you. Onlinepilatesclasses.com. Very easy. If you want a free class, you can go to onlinepilatesclasses.com slash free. We also have, if you're like, oh, this is really intriguing, but I'm not sure. I've never done it before. You can find out on the site. You can find an intro series. So if you're brand new to Pilates, we have that. Um, it's not a membership. It's just a series that you can do as many times as you want. You'll see the free tutorials. You'll see the flashcards. It's all there. And you can ask me any question you have about whether or not it's right for you. Well, wonderful. Well, I appreciate you introducing that what might be new to someone if they're focusing on mindfulness, because I didn't get the connection right away. But I think this is a fantastic alternative for someone who is, and maybe also trying to enhance their health, their physical health. So you're getting a twofer, right? Yeah. Well, lovely. I, I just want to thank you so much again for joining us today. It's been very delightful. And I hope people check out both your mastermind and your Pilates classes. And thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Teresa. Until next time, I encourage you to meditate daily and be mindful in all of your everyday activities. Simply bring your full awareness to the present moment to build your mindfulness skills, paying attention to every detail of what you're doing, from washing dishes to work tasks to taking a walk. Your mind will wander, and that's normal. Each time you notice it has wandered, that's mindfulness. Consider how wonderful the world could be if everyone was mindful. You can help make that happen. It all starts with a mindful moment. This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other great shows like the Daily Meditation Podcast, Everything Everywhere, and movie therapy. We deeply appreciate your support at patreon.com slash a mindful moment. Please be sure to subscribe to a mindful moment and follow us on Instagram at a mindful moment podcast. Visit our website, a to access podcasts, scripts, and book recommendations. A mindful moment is written and hosted by Teresa McKee and or Melissa Sims. The Spanish version is translated and hosted by Paola Tile. Intro music, Retreat by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll by Josh Kirsch, MediaWrite Productions. Thank you for tuning in. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions, 